HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. How you doing, bud? I'm great. How was Denver? Den- dinner or Denver? Yeah, both. Did you have dinner in Denver? I did. <laughs> How I was did. Denver? Denver was awesome, man. Uh, it was really great getting to go out there. I hadn't been out. I hadn't visited Denver since before I moved here. So it's been like 12 years or something since I've been to Denver. And just like any other city you go to, what's it's extremely exciting because like, if you haven't been there for a number of years, you go back and you're like, holy shit, look at all the stuff that's happening here. Brand new city. Yeah. I've never been. Oh, man, it's great. It's great. Yeah, I used way, to... I'm way overdue. I was uh, I was actually... Back then, when I moved here, it was actually on the table of places I would move to from Oklahoma. Um, it was like Denver, San Francisco, Brooklyn. Brooklyn won. I'm oh. glad I am glad I moved here. Thank God. Course. Yeah. Um, for all of us. But yeah, I got to hang out with uh, some really great people uh, from New York and from the West Coast. What are you doing out for, there? It was a uh, Stranahan's has a this is their second year to do it, but it's called Cask Thieves. And uh, what they do is they take their Stranahan's Colorado whiskey and yep. they, they just do different, they do like a number of different, there were six different barrel uh, samples that you get a little passport and get your stamp for each one of them. And uh, there was like a cherry wine cask finished, uh, uh, Oloroso cherry cask, a cognac cask. Um, mm. It was, yeah, and so they just had this big celebration where they, they open up the distillery and they have like bands play and there's barbecue and it's. You rode really a awesome. horse. I rode a horse. 
That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we went horseback riding uh, the morning before the, the event uh, in Estes National Park. But yeah, I was hanging out with Rob Dietrich, the uh, master distiller. Mm-hmm. Awesome dude. Really fun hanging out with him. We got some projects in in the works now. Cool. Let's get them on the show. Both booze and motorcycle projects. Oh, <laughs> motorcycles. Yeah. So yeah, it was a great trip, man. Did you do anything fun this weekend? Yeah, I just tried to you know heal my arm. Yeah. Super boring. Yeah. I mean, I'm back working at Coup. I can't get behind the bar and actually bartend, but I can run around on the floor and at least talk to people and show them a good time, be hospitable. But I can't really work. You still, you uh, is Coup still like just crazy busy all the time? Uh, we're we're experiencing a little slowdown for summer. You know, we're right in the middle oh, of NYU true. and Cooper Union, so a lot of the students are gone. That's true. Um, but but still moving strong. Yeah, loving it. Everything's going great. Had a great guest in last night from. You ever been to Edmonds Oast down in South Carolina? I haven't, but I I know of it. Amazing spot. Uh, and Jace, the head bartender from there, came up and did some drinks. You know, at Edmonds Oast, when I was there, they gave me some Underberg. They had taken three thousand Underberg bottles one at a time, the tiny little Underberg, three quarter of an ounce bottle, and opened them up into a, and poured them into a barrel. So they barrel-aged their own Underberg, <laughs> which was delicious. But then when they decanted it and put it into bottles, they then filled the barrel with a beer. So they barrel-aged a beer in an Underberg barrel, which was delicious. Wow. <laughs> and now they've got a second batch of 3,000 bottles back in the barrel, and they're going to send me a bottle. Really cool stuff. So send me that yeah, bottle. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. So, cool. Well, speaking of guests. Yes, let's have some guests. Today in the studio, we've got Kyle and Rachel Ford. Uh, of the Ford Media Lab, FML. Haha. Welcome, guys. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank yeah. you. Happy to have you in the studio. Uh, what's going on? How you guys been? I haven't seen you in a while. I saw you, uh, well, we'll get to it, but I saw you when we launched this book. I keep calling it a book. I, but technically, called... it says magazine, but yes, I, I agree with you. It is more of a... <laughs> I mean, it's got some weight and some heft. volume. <laughs> and it's real shiny and special. And, you know, like I feel like when I look at a magazine, I see... A bunch of fluff stuff and a bunch of ads. None of that's in here. This is a book. Yeah, so for you guys sure. put out this book, and it's it's just titled the 1806 Collective, right? Or well, actually, the yeah, defining we, stories of thirsty people. Defining stories of thirsty people. So uh, we did it in collaboration with Collective 1806, uh, which is Remy Quantro's mm-hmm. uh, you know trade advocacy program that are brand ambassadors and stuff that reach out to bartenders and bars. Um, 1806 is a reference, obviously, to the uh, year that the cocktail was first defined. And right. so these are the defining stories of thirsty people, the people that serve you drinks. So we wanted to do something new. We pitched this idea to Remy, and they ended up loving it, which is amazing, because it was a great opportunity to, you know, showcase something that doesn't... I mean, honestly, what you guys do on your show, uh, kind of in print form. So, you know, bringing in interesting people and learning the stories behind them. So there's actually very little about cocktails in there. It's more about the people serving you the cocktails or even the people at your at your bar. We have, you know, a regular that posts up at the Nomad Hotel that's got his own etched glass because of All how right. often he's there. So there's really fun tidbits that you can find in that magazine. And it, it was a fun project. Yeah. Did you guys ever... Uh, did you ever work in like magazines before or any like print media? No. Uh, I won a fourth grade essay contest about the <laughs> governor's mansion in Sacramento, California, which was my writing springboard uh, to this. 
<laughs> I mean, if the governor liked it, come on. Uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty impressive in fourth grade. Yeah, and then from a... I mean, so I, it was a fourth grade comp- competition. You, you yeah. were in the fourth grade at the time, right? It wasn't, right. Re- no, it wasn't no. recent. She was actually an adult, and she <laughs> yeah, won the fourth exactly. grade right now. At a fourth grade level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then photography-wise, that was... Uh, I mean, we'll get into that later, but that was more of... It started as a hobby of mine. Yeah, um, but it really exploded Rachel, in that world. Rachel did all the writing. Uh, I did all the photography and layout. She worked on all the logistics and did the interviews by hand, old school. So amazing, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's 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 back the clock up then and talk about like maybe not all the way to the fourth grade, but what <laughs> what, guys, what got you two started in in the booze biz? Well, we won't go back to fourth grade, but we will go back to about sophomore year of high school uh, because Kyle and I are high school sweethearts, oh, and people adorable. assume. Thank you. People assume that we got into this business together as adults. Um, but obviously we weren't even old enough to imbibe when we got together. So it was something we discovered much later after college, after we became very bored being confined in the professions that we went to school for. Um, Kyle really was the one that got us turned on to cocktails first. True. So uh, post-college, I studied economics and philosophy. Um, I went into finance. Uh, it was my dad's trade. So it was just kind of assumed that that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um I worked uh, for his company for two years and then ended up working for another wealth management company uh, for another two years. And the whole time I felt this creative energy that was not being applied. And, you know, you get creative in finance, you start to get in trouble. So, <laughs> Or not. <laughs> but, Cook, cooking know, the books. Cooking the books. Um, but I had both at the time a strong attraction to photography and cocktails. And uh, that's kind of how we got where we are, to be honest. It all started back then. Um, but cocktails were an escape for me. So I'd, I'd buy awesome cocktail books. Uh, we had a lot of friends in the industry. Um, Is this, I, this I, was in Sacramento? This was in Sacramento, yeah. So I'd come home and, you know, I'd be toying around with bitters and, and squeezing fresh juice and making these cocktails and these cool cocktail books. Um, and it just really piqued my interest for quite a while. I mean, we just did it as a hobby again. Um, but was we entertaining found- yourself, entertaining friends. Yeah, was, yeah. It, was it something like that you found from going out, or is it something that you just kind of like you got a book one day, and you just thought it might be cool, like historical thing, or I, I don't honestly know when it it predated or was somewhat aligned with the cocktail movement in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, but or I, San Francisco more. Yeah, more we were too. we were escaping to the city on the weekends and discovered some of the cocktail culture there. Okay, and I think cool. we we longed to be there, so we brought it back to Sacramento gotcha. with us. Yeah, particularly once we had you know experienced the speakeasy in San Francisco, <laughs> Bourbon and Branch. Uh, I started realizing that this was a serious craft. This was a trade. These these guys know things that I I don't know, and they're and they look so professional, you know, and. Um, I was kind of envious in a way. I was like, I want to create something. I felt like I wanted to create something like that. I want to be one of those guys. I wanted to be the mustachioed, you know, hipster bartender behind the bar. And you were for a while. Which you and became. I was. That's I right. Was. I, was. I, I think that's. I mean, I made good. There, yeah, but that's right where I met you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the job exactly. you want. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I made, I made good on that eventually. Shave but, for the job you want. Yeah, but <laughs> not the job you have. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, Bourbon and Branch was a big inspiration. So like I think from there, uh, one of our good friends was uh, sommelier and uh, Bouchon, uh, Thomas Keller's Bouchon Absolutely. in Yonville, Napa. And uh, I think he bought me my first serious cocktail book, uh, which I actually forget what it was called. But it was this really comprehensive, like thick kind of encyclopedia. Um, and 
funny enough, it was written by like an off name. It wasn't any of the big names that we necessarily would recognize, but it's very comprehensive. And I would just kind of study this thing and go through it and make cocktails. And uh, I think I was making cocktails for him one day. And I kind of half kidding said, like, maybe I'll quit my job in finance and become a bartender. And he said, why not? And that stuck with me. I did say, well, yeah, you're right. Why not? Let's do it. So it wasn't there long after. The year would have been like 2008. Uh, I decided to quit my job and pick up and move to San Francisco with my. Uh, we were pretty Your close. Your then to, wife, yeah. Yeah, then wife. <laughs> but we were pretty new, newlyweds, right? We got married a year before that, so that was a crazy adventure. Do you want to? Add and yeah, well, yeah. Were you, you were. Well, so you were in real estate. I was, which at, in two thousand eight. Yes, which <laughs> and fortune guys, telling and is finance, not yeah. my forte. Obviously, yeah, you guys were like the the perfect suburban like yeah. young couple. Yeah, uh, right? so oh. the market wasn't looking too great, right? right? We both still had jobs, so that's why uh, our parents probably to this day still thought we were out of our minds at the time because we were <laughs> gainfully employed and you know what was otherwise failing uh, uh, economies, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so, Rachel, we, you, were in, you were in real estate back in San, Sacramento. I was, yes, working in new home sales, which at that time... Everybody meant, was buying a new home in 2008. No, in, in fact... <laughs> oh, wait, wait, the other thing. <laughs> we probably couldn't have given them away at that point, but I was essentially sitting all day in this model home, and I thought, man, I, all through college I worked as a server in restaurants, and I remember right before I graduated being elated that I never had to do that again, and all of a sudden it started looking very attractive because I had so much fun taking care of people and you're in, you're out, you have cash in your pocket. And it was quite a contrast from babysitting a luxury model home in the middle of an empty community. (laughs) So I went back into serving and landed what was uh, then a really plum job, probably still is, but at Morton's the Steakhouse as a server and Never go wrong at a steakhouse. Mm. No, and yeah, eventually cash and carry, man. Yep. those guys like to throw down cash. True. Well, and, and shift meal, family meals, obviously awesome as well. So I never it was a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they ended up agreeing to transfer me to the Mortons in downtown San Francisco, which um, surely that's a promotion. It was pretty much winning the lottery was essentially what occurred at that point because, um, I mean. It's a steakhouse, it's downtown San Francisco, and it's Morton's. So yeah. we pretty much were able to finance our dream of living in the big city uh, <laughs> through steak, <laughs> through, through steak. T-Bones. Through T-Bones, yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, I, I have to thank Rachel for all of that because that was her experience. I never worked in hospitality before moving to San Francisco. Um, just had a bunch of friends that you know had certainly paid their way through college uh, by working in restaurants and bars. But uh, her Morton's job allowed me to kind of get my bearings but having had no bartending experience but convinced i wanted to become a bartender uh took some you know creativity but i managed lying. yeah lying. <laughs> <laughs> i think i was very creative about how i had presented it on my resume that i hadn't actually worked behind a bar but you know uh i did get a shot i talked my way behind like and i never actually bar backed either i this first time i'm admitting this probably public publicly because <laughs> you know that's something that you usually never paid your dues never paid my dues never paid my dues but it worked out okay fake it till you make it right <laughs> yep. um but i landed my first uh bartending job at the savoy tivoli this awesome kind of snoozy but historic uh cocktail bar in uh north beach in san francisco um beautiful space um but yeah, they placed me in the back bar there, and because they had this really lively front bar where they would have live jazz, and that was kind of the the plum place to be in there. But because I was a new bartender, they stuck me in the back. Um, 
<laughs> this was it was an interesting place. The guy that ran it, who probably still runs it to this day. Again, I thank you, thank him for ever giving me a shot. But he was very strict. If you were missing a quarter ounce from one of your bottles at the end of the night, it was coming out of your tips. Everything had to be explained. There was no cocktail menu, so we were making. How was he keeping that inventory with no menu, uh, and yet yeah. he would say you're a quarter ounce low on maraschino? Well, and that was exactly You'll it. You, you, you couldn't really argue it because you're like, you I don't know. I, I don't What's know. What's maraschino? Right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was. <laughs> you owe I mean, me eighteen cents, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, it was, I just gave him a voice. I don't know if that's how he sounds. <laughs> Actually, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, at least that's how I remember it in my head. But uh, but you it, said you were bringing in your own stuff, like you were. Yeah. You were so again, I I, I moved, syrups and bitters. I moved and trying to San to Francisco to become that mustachioed uh, mixologist, you know. Uh, and so since that wasn't being provided there, and I was trying to get more attention to the back less less busy back bar. Um, I started creating like underground menus that if you knew to ask for, you could come in and actually see a cocktail menu. And oh. I was making drinks with my own ingredients that I brought in. Um, I mean, obviously, I was doing this out of passion because I was paying for a lot of this stuff out of pocket. So, because I got yelled at one day for using too many limes because <laughs> I was fresh squeezing limes instead of using like the sweet and sour mix and and like roses. Uh, this is gorilla bartending. Yeah, it was. So eventually, like toward the tail end of my time there, I had my own like bitters rack. I had my own syrups and infusions. I was shopping at the farmer's market pretty often and bringing in fresh ingredients. Um, all to really just get attention of people that were in the craft cocktail world, which eventually worked. So I, I was more or less found out about uh, just by connecting with the local bartenders and then asked to work at uh, Ryan 15 Romolo, where I spent the rest of my bartending Great time bars. in San Francisco. Yeah, two of my favorite still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's my story in SF. I think I'll pass it back to Rachel maybe to tell her. So you so. you got the SF. You're at Morton's. I was at Morton's. What, what pulled you behind a bar? I was. What made you leave that plum <laughs> cash cow? But ca- cow cash cow steak place. <laughs> the, the allure of being a bartender, right? <laughs> exactly. I saw what Kyle was doing, and um, all through green with envy. I was green with envy. I I had watched as the bartender was kind of the hero of every bar or restaurant that I had served in. And I knew someday I wanted that position. And I still remember the phone call with my then general manager of the steakhouse when I was essentially saying, no, I, I really do want to leave this amazing position to go tend bar at, at a salsa dancing cigar bar. Um, and, <laughs> and from there, I, I was doing something similar. Kyle inspired me and I was bringing in my own rosebud grenadine and um, I remember we had a head bartender at it was at the cigar bar in San Francisco, which is a great fun place where you can still smoke cigars. Um, the head bartender had been there forever, and I remember having a jigger in front of my station, and it's like we don't have those here. This goes on the back bar. You don't get to use this jigger, and so I I longed to have that kind of mixology world, and I ended up being offered a job at Rick House, which was... Another great bar. Yeah, like pretty much the Olympics of San Francisco bartending at the time. And Yeah, was, talk about high volume. That place was madness. Right. I, I'd come and visit her on her shift, uh, and it was always early on because I had a shift to run off to later because she worked. It was like a kind of afternoon shift. But yeah, I actually I, I saw you one day yeah. like, when I first visited San Francisco. I like kind of... I think it was the first time... like probably like really hung out like outside of a bigger like bar crowd group i think it was with amanda womack okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh i haven't seen her in forever 
Yeah. She was working for Anchor Anchor Brew or Anchor Distilling. Awesome. Yep. Anchor, just Anchor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome brand. Too. But she was at Cask back then, just yeah. down the street. Yes, I, I actually worked under her for a short period of time right before we moved at Cask as well, which mm-hmm. was incredible was for best, strengthening knowledge. Strengthening knowledge and also acquiring <laughs> Pappy Van Winkle because they had a secret yeah. stash that they wouldn't sell in the public. So. <laughs> yep. I remember we shipped, when we did finally move to New York, which I kind of skipped over, we can go back to that, but we uh, shipped six bottles out. Three of them were Old Potrero rye. Yeah. And then to our shock and disappointment, it was readily available here <laughs> yeah. but in san francisco yeah. where yeah, you couldn't find it yeah. anywhere i remember crazy that. that is weird uh well we should take a quick break and hear from our sponsors uh and then we're going to come back and flash forward a bit to uh the ford media lab um and we'll talk about what you guys got your fingers in now yeah because you're not behind bars anymore <laughs> so we'll be right back <laughs> heritage foods usa is a farm-to-table online butcher and founding sponsor of heritage radio network Patrick Martins founded Heritage Foods USA in 2002 to save endangered species of livestock from extinction. He learned about the plight of endangered foods while working for Slow Food, a nonprofit started in 1986 in Italy when the first McDonald's opened on the Spanish steppes of Rome. To counter the homogenizing effects of fast food, Slow Food was formed to bring attention to regional cuisines and ingredients. By 2000, Patrick was the president of Slow Foods USA and working on adding heritage breeds to their arc of taste, but he decided to go further than a metaphorical arc and actually do something to preserve rare breeds. That was the moment that Heritage Foods' slogan, Eat Them to Save Them, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. Learn more at HeritageFoodsUSA.com and use the code HERITAGERADIO for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. And we're back. <laughs> Brother, we're back. Brother, you're back. <laughs> okay, so in the interest of time, we're going to jump yeah. forward a little. Yeah, let's so do it. we got you pretty close there. You, you then moved to New York. I remember you guys visited New York, uh, maybe as a prospectus visit, and yep. you came into my bar, Rye, yep. when I worked at Rye here in Waynesburg. And uh, I was telling you Chartreuse some other spots. marshmallows. I was tell- yeah, we had chartreuse marshmallows that I made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was telling you about some other spots to maybe hit up. I think I sent you over to Dram, and probably um, Maison Premier had just opened as well. Um, so you, you explored New York, and you decided to move out here. Yeah, when we set our mind to something, we usually pull the trigger pretty quick. So we came out here for <laughs> Rachel's birthday, which I'm was at pull the end. The trigger. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, brother. Uh, which was at the end of January, and then uh, we ended up moving out to New York. Uh, what, like three months later? Yeah. Which, if you like New York, in the end of January, you're pretty much you've gotten yeah. over the hump. Yeah. So that's I think right, coming from San Francisco, yeah. 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 And it was a big snowstorm that year too. There was. That's yeah. right. Um, but yeah, we actually, at a little bar that you're probably familiar with, we moved out here to uh, be on the opening staff of Amori Amargo. Well, well. Yeah. Comes <laughs> the, full the, circle. The circle, the circle <laughs> remains unbroken. Uh, yeah. Um, and you did a bunch of bartending here in the city. Yep. And then both of you shifted gears and moved into the brand repping world. Yes, within the, at same, the same week. It was like, yeah, it was like crazy at the same time. Um, it was uh, actually the same week. Yeah. That we received uh, the call that we... Rachel spent some time as a lady Tanqueray. Yes, five years as the national ambassador for a, a little unknown gin. Little gin company. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, it was five years. It I mean, was. Wow, time yeah. flies. Yeah. Time, time really flies. Time warp. Uh, uh, and then I was hired, uh, funny enough, my original title was to be the corporate mixologist uh, for Remy Cointreau. <laughs> Two words that now 
I loathe pretty much <laughs> uh, independently and even more so uh, together. Corporate and mixologist. Corporate mixologist. <laughs> what is yeah. that even? Um, but I basically functioned as their like in-house cocktail and spirits expert to just kind of help guide a lot of their brand decisions and then also a lot of uh, their activities, stuff that they chose to do. And that's how 1806 was actually uh, formed. So they didn't really have a brand ambassador program at the time. And then uh, along with my form, now former boss, Richard Lambert, who's uh, a great guy that came over from France to kind of launch this program, uh, ended up creating a really innovative kind of lifestyle-driven uh, you know, program uh, that was focusing on bartender culture and focusing on cocktail culture. Uh, it took us five years to get to the point of making a magazine basically about Sure, that, but, it, but I remember you guys had that, uh, that online library, yep. and you would travel around with these old first editions of cocktail books and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So There'd he, be little events where you could come in and have a drink and peruse, Quantro, peruse a book that's Quantro 100 years old. Or had, had acquired a, a pretty impressive vintage cocktail book library uh, that served as the foundation of the program, really, because we wanted to share this information with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was over like 300 vintage cocktail books that uh, Alfred Cointreau himself, uh, along with Richard, scanned and made searchable into PDF format. And, right, and, and then everybody got like a little card so you had access to this. Access to the website. Yeah. And uh, it was a really amazing resource. Now there's several resources like that online, but uh, uh, it was an incredible resource at the time and you know served as inspiration. And I think it was cool to give back to the community in a little way. Like if you want to go and find that information that it was out there, because otherwise you'd need, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to purchase some of these books, if you could even find them. Yeah. Um, I mean, right. Not to mention the sheer volume of man hours it would take to just seek them out. Yeah, for sure. man. I mean, like, you know, when you go to cocktail kingdom and you see like his library, it's like that didn't happen overnight, you know? No. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And just go on eBay and like type in Jerry Thomas. And then if there happens to be a Jerry Thomas book there, it's going to, you know, fetch probably $5,000 at mm-hmm. least. I right. don't know. Um, but it's, it's nice to have resources now, but, uh, that, that program started that way and started to expand into some other cool things. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out their website now. It's meant to be uh, pretty interactive. They have cool articles written by bartenders and people oh, in the trade. So, um, it's a little different. The books are still there, I believe, and uh, but you know a lot of photos and, and cocktail recipes, all sorts of stuff. But uh, what else can I say? Well, well, so you know, let's jump over. What, what, so you, <laughs> what, 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 what exactly was Lady Tanqueray? What did you do? Yeah. Um, Remember lots, that crazy machine? Oh my goodness! Yes, the Imperial Cocktail Shaker. Yes. And <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was a lot of education for the trade and also some consumer facing. Um, but there were a lot of pinch me experiences that I got to have as the representative for that brand. And it was, and still is my favorite spirit. So, um, I am a little biased, but, um, it, (laughs) I got to travel the U S and talk to bartenders and, uh, go to events and, and see things that I would not have ordinarily been able to experience. So, um, I loved every moment of it and it was bittersweet to, Close that chapter, but it was time for us to pursue our own thing full time. It was a long time coming. If, I, it, if you guys know brand ambassadors or have ever been one, whoever's listening, uh, it's definitely a, a burnout role. In fact, yeah. I'd say typically people last about two years, so going on almost five years in that <laughs> role, it, it, it's tiring because you travel yeah. constantly uh, and your job's to be out and about all the time, keeping your finger yeah. on the pulse. If you're young and single, yeah, that's the job for you. No better yeah. job, yeah. You get a corporate <laughs> car and you're out entertaining your friends who are also the people you're supposed to be impressing anyway. 
yeah. by doing your job. So, right. uh, a fantastic opportunity. But you know, so we're getting you, old and tired. So two, <laughs> we, two we needed a plan B. Two of you jumped into that within a week of each other, and you kind of yeah. ended at the same time. We too, did. Right? Yes, it it because was also you, timed. You well, just, that was intentional. You decided to literally rebrand yourselves. Yes. So you were Ford Mixology Lab yes. when you were bartending together. Yeah, so we used that as our consultancy. Even all the way back to San Francisco, we right. were doing consultancy projects. And we named it FML just obviously to be kind of a joke. Cheeky. Cheeky, you know, and abbreviates well. But we wanted to keep those initials. So over time, we... Since uh, you, do both of you have the tattoo? We yeah, do, we yes. Yeah. Which there I didn't go. completely think through having it on the back of my arm, having people <laughs> yell it at me as I walk down the street. I yeah. think, while bartending, I got a couple like, wow, you must be really pessimistic comments. <laughs> I'm like, no, actually. Uh, <laughs> Fuck my life. Yeah. Oh, Ford Mixology Lab. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, but then you came here. It switched pretty rapidly to Ford Media. What was that about? Well, we were marketing for a while. We just switched to media. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. It became yeah, Ford Marketing yeah. Lab. Which, again, like the word marketing kind of always bothered me anyway. But oh. what we were trying to do when we left the brand world is continue to work with spirit brands mm-hmm. and then expand out to working with other brands, period. And uh, what we were originally focusing on was content marketing. So creating content uh, for these brands because a lot of them need help with their Instagram and social media and all sorts of stuff. So that was our original bent. But then... By the time we had created this magazine, we realized, ah, this is what we really enjoy. And this doesn't really feel like a marketing thing. Um, We're telling stories, and we want to continue to do that storytelling through photos and writing. And so uh, we just recently rebranded, keeping the FML, but decided media was more encompassing. Because we plan on doing all sorts of cool... Lucky it's so malleable. Yeah. It is. Ford Ford Malleable Lab. Yeah. I don't know what other M we can possibly use, but I think this one's going to stick. Yeah. And just kind of focus on doing some, you know... Ford Motorcycle Lab. Oh, yes. (laughs) That might be taken. Uh, Mm. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. That's a... They don't make motorcycles. Yeah. Um, But yeah, independent publishing projects and photo projects, all sorts of cool collaborations. Again, still working a lot of times with brands, but some things just from our heart. We just went to Cuba, and uh, we plan on putting together a cool zine that has to do with everything that we experience there, especially now that some of those uh, sanctions and and travel things have been reversed. It's a little bit more difficult. We went all over. So we got outside of Havana. We got to visit Vinales, uh, Cienfuegos, and Trinidad. uh, Trinidad. And took over 6,000 photos. So Amazing. We want to do a gallery show. We want to put together a book and just kind of share the human stories that, that we found there, which is nice. Yeah. But it's more or less what we did for 1806 Magazine, too, was we, we started in New York and wanted to tell the stories of the bartenders here in New York. So you, you took some, some of that strength that you already had as, as uh, uh, you know, brand folks, and you reached out, in this case, it happens to be one of the brands you already worked for in yes. the past. And you pitched this to them, or they pitched it to you? I pitched it as I was walking out the door as kind of a Hail Mary, and I didn't think that they would actually decide to go on it, and they did, which is amazing. So that says a lot about Remy Quantro to believe uh, in a project like this, because it's, you know, honestly disruptive. I've never seen any other liquor company attempt to do anything like this. Mm -hmm. Um, My old boss had always wanted to do a cocktail book, but I told him, I'm like, the world doesn't need another cocktail book, especially from a liquor company like that's just going to come off cheesy and fake you know no matter how hard biased you try or whatever yeah biased <laughs> um seems that all these drinks have the same stuff in them yeah so. interesting <laughs> <laughs> um but i'm like why don't you tell the story of the people that buy and sell your product every day like that's that's what's interesting here like tell like showcase them they're the heroes in this situation uh 
They're the ones. You're that Damon? I'm a hero. Yeah, you are a hero. <laughs> you are. You're my hero. <laughs> well, and I think drawing on our brand ambassador tenure and background, I mean, while we were sitting at bar stools around the U.S., we were getting to know not just the person making the cocktail, but also the fact that Souther, you used to be a chef. And right. uh, there were people that, you know, Joanne Spiegel, who's in the magazine, had raised a 12-year-old daughter on her own mm-hmm. working in sports bars. And Andrew Hockenberry uh, being an abstract artist on the cusp of, of being something truly amazing um, you know, is behind the bar at Keens, is very iconic bar. At bar. Yeah. So seriously, an undiscovered like Jackson Pollock, he, his art's really cool. Check but, it out if you have a chance. I think he has a website, right? Yes, he yeah. does. <laughs> Give him a shout out. Uh, but because we had had the opportunity to listen to these things, when it came time to craft New York's magazine, uh, we really already had an idea of exactly who we wanted to talk to and what these stories were, and I think we knew. It, 19 out of the 20 people that were featured here already. Um, yeah, living in New York, it was easy because it's our backyard. So right. we know the stories that are there, but that aren't necessarily told every day. So. Sure. Well, again, you have that. You have all that. Uh, you know, Damon and I know a whole bunch of folks, but you guys were branding. So you, you, you were going to multiple bars multiple nights where we're behind our own bar all night sure. every night. So you get to you. you yeah, really got to meet a lot of people. It was, so you, it was literally when, our job to when meet. You pitch New York. I'm people. sure that was like this is already yeah. in the bag. Well, and <clears throat> it was amazing too that even if we thought we knew a story or we thought we knew someone, when when we sat down to our first interview, I remember it was Juan Arbolita who we featured <laughs> because he had been the doorman at Employees Only and um, real funny guy. Turned up, he, he did stand up comedy, which we didn't know, but found out through the process of interviewing. But I remember it was our first interview. You know, we'd never really done this before, but drawing on that strength of writing that I gleaned as a nine-year-old, uh, we showed up to his bar, and I had a list of six questions. I do the interviewing. Anything that's a word, essentially, is my wheelhouse, and Kyle is anything that, that you look at. And I had six questions, and we only got through the first one. And it was, where are you from? And there was no need for me to ask anything else. Mm. And... I found when we did number two and number three and number 40, when we got into our second magazine, all we really had to ask was, where are you from? And I'd never sat down with somebody for a beer and said, so tell me, where are you from? But these were people that we talked to weekly, you know, Hmm. very regularly that we'd never had that connection with. So beyond being able to share with the reader the stories of these people, it really helped us find our voice as a storyteller and also an interest in just the human spirit in general, I think. It's amazing. Where are you from? Where are you from, Damon? Blowmore, Oklahoma. See? That's a, I just did my own book. <laughs> <laughs> I've given away our secret. It is, though. But see, like, I, I, think... I, I remember you guys talking to me about that when you came. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know where I was in the, in the line of interviews, but yeah. I remember you, you saying something similar to me, and, and, I, and I did when you asked me where I'm from. I, there's quite a story there yeah. that gets longer and longer the longer the person wants to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can easily see how that, that makes people yeah. open up. And we had a couple of four-hour interviews. I'm talking to you, Giuseppe Gonzalez. <laughs> that was a great one. And he wanted to talk about street art, growing up in the Bronx and, and spray painting, which I thought was amazing because that's a story you don't usually associate with him. You know, he maybe likes it, but he's never told that story. So it was cool to hear, you know, new tidbits, something that didn't have to do with cocktails or these people making them or, you know, what herb people well, are using in, in their drinks. Yeah, this, every bartender is more than just someone who makes drinks. You know? Yeah, yeah. Every That's person, why we do this show. Every person is that. Exactly. You're, <laughs> you're sort of like peeling back the layers, un, you know, unfurling the flower, whatever whatever metaphor you want to use. But you're, 
you're, you're revealing the human condition, which we all associate with and share, and that's it's pretty amazing. Um, and this, I keep calling it a book because it looks like a book. This magazine. <laughs> it's 200 pages, that's fair. I mean, it's a book. <laughs> and Cocktail Kingdom printed it for us. Yeah, which fun fact. A so. gives it street cred, but everyone is commenting on everything from the smell of the print to the... Uh, that soft touch laminated cover mm-hmm. that you can feel there. That was an but, extra like ten cents. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It was worth it though, right? right it's, it's, feel it's, nice. it's, like that's the other thing. It doesn't. I guess that's why it feels to me like it's a book. It's not. It's not um, poorly or cheaply made. Like it's nice. Well, we wanted people to keep it. I mean, that's the I keep idea. Mine wrapped in the in the thing you, you gave do. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 been an incredible project, and it's that's something I think is going to be the ethos of our own company, uh, Ford Media Lab, is just to constantly be storytellers, no matter what kind of project we're working on, because uh, this can easily apply to any industry. So as fascinating as it was for us to obviously work in the cocktail and spirits world, because that's what we know, um, there's no reason you can do that, you know, anywhere else. Sure, fashion, you know, television. All sorts of cool things. Travel, so, what have you. Yeah. Travel. And it got even more fascinating. So our our second 1806 magazine, Volume 2, um, is finished. And it was based on New Orleans. New, ugh, sorry, I've said it for five <laughs> months straight. And now I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> New Orleans. Um, but we thought that we had interesting stories in New York, which obviously we did. But... To talk to people who we had the opposite, we knew probably two of our interviewees as opposed to the other 24. And there's nothing like starting an interview about bike riding in the cocktail community and having someone tell you about what they really do in their spare time. And um, I'll, I'll just give you a teaser that it's very exciting, the, the kind of double <laughs> lives of the, the New Orleans spirits community. They're very spirited. Yeah, but uh, if you, if anyone listening is going to happen to be down at Tales of the Cocktail, I believe uh, the intention is to have the magazine out and about somehow down there. So maybe follow Collective 1806's social media channels for some news about where to find those. Uh, you may be able to score a free copy if you're uh, paying attention. And yes, let's talk about that real fast. This yeah. issue came out a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, April. In April. Okay, yeah. Right before I broke my arm. <laughs> I hate this broken arm. Um, it's getting better. Uh, so this one came out in April. The next one's going to come out. You say if you say it's coming out around tails, that would be July. I mean, that would make That's sense, in a right? Weeks, <laughs> it seems like it would make sense. Yeah. Um, but it's free, right? Well, I mean, and, and it, so what I'm basically saying is, everybody that's listening, thinking to themselves, this thing came out in April. Where can I get it? Where do they get it? So. It, so, yes. So, as Kyle <laughs> mentioned, um, check the Collective 1806 social channels. Check with your local Collective 1806 brand advocate. Uh, there's a rumor that they may have some that they're running around with. Okay. At some point, it will sell out. Uh, it, it has. My the, eBay mine. Yeah, yeah, you may be able to do that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if you look at the back, it does have a barcode and a price tag. But oh. for the time being, it's it's really Never a noticed. generous gift from Remy and Collective 1806 to uh, really celebrate the bartender. Which, But they are extremely limited. So both, I can tell you, have had a run of, like, 3,000 magazines. Oh. And they go quick. So, like, that spreads out across the U.S. and all the, you know, brand ambassadors that Collective has. And uh, they're gone when they're gone. So uh, that's why I say, if you're definitely kind of down to tails... Keep your eyes peeled if you if you hear about that magazine being somewhere because you want to grab one. Um, and again, as proud as we were, is I, I, I mean, volume one, volume two is pretty exciting. So I, I love it, and and I don't. I'm not just saying it because I'm in it. I, I really do. I really do like it. <laughs> Thank you. Like it's beautiful. It's you're it, it's revealing of stories of people 
some in this magazine that I know, some that I don't, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some that I know, but I feel like I got to know them better from reading this kind of thing. And the thing about it as well that we're very excited about, when you flip to the very back, uh, the appendix is filled with all of the bars that we visited or referenced while we were interviewing these people about their stories. Mm -hmm. So it could serve as a very cool kind of indie travel guide. You know, living in New York, I'm sure all four of us get emails and Facebook messages regularly. I'm coming to New York or my sister's coming to New York. Where do I go? That's awesome. And I mean, imagine if you walked into your hotel room (laughs) and you you could flip that open and then you feel like you already know Souther because you've read about him and, you know, you could. Which we've already had that experience. So uh, I'm sure you know Nama and Asaf over at the house. Of course, they on the show. Uh, I want to have them back. Incredible people, two of my favorites. They're featured in there, and they were just letting us know the other day when we were in there for uh, brunch. At Lighthouse? Yeah, that someone had come in that had had read the magazine, and they loved what they were doing and the ethos of that place and how, how they're all about sustainability. Cool. And I just, like, that's exactly what we sought out to do, is make those connections that you may <laughs> otherwise not know about. And, like, that well, that's what, like, struck a chord in my own heart when I heard that. I was like, yes, that's, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. So. I mean, you're playing a longer game, you know? I, th- I think when you were bartenders, and Damon and I are still bartenders, like, that's what we do. If I hear a guy down at one end of the bar talking about something that I think he should talk to the guy at the other end of the bar about, I put them together. I Absolutely. People. You know, I do it constantly. So you're just doing it in a longer version. Yeah. Pretty amazing. The, the funniest thing, I think, in regards to the project happened last week. So as Kyle mentioned, we had been in Cuba and we brought, I think, a handful of copies with us that we gifted three <laughs> of stopped them. At, stopped at the border to make sure it wasn't anti-Fidel propaganda. Yeah, they went through, <laughs> they every, went through every single, single copy. Yeah. Um, but we we handed out three of them. We met the the president of the International Bartenders Association of Cuba, and then another bartender who is the face of Airbnb there. And um, they're doing really amazing things, even as um, insulated as they are. And so we gave three of them away for New York and came home and didn't think a whole lot about it until we got a message from Andrew, who we already mentioned, the artist, that his coworker had gone to visit a parent in Cuba. And one of the bartenders pulled that out and said, do you know you're from New York? Like, do you know any of these people? And it <laughs> so turned out that he worked at Keens with Andrew and... So you're all international celebrities is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Hey, you're, huh? you're big in Cuba. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's about time. So, okay, you're, the next project is uh, obviously you're going to put something together about Cuba. You mentioned that. We have what, to, what, yes. What, what's next on the docket? Surely when you're working freelance, you've you got to plan ahead, right? Oh, so for sure. What's out there? And also, we didn't really touch too much on it. Like, oh, well, what, media lab, What got yeah. your fingers so deep into photography? Um, so, so fast. It seemed fast. Maybe it wasn't. You know, much like cocktails were originally a distraction, as I had gone on and, you know, much love again to Remy, but I was kind of aging out of my role at Remy Cointreau. Um, I really got into photography just kind of as a side hobby, as a distraction, and uh, decided to pursue that and, you know, just seeing what the brands I was working with needed too. I'm like, I can take beautiful cocktail photos. Uh, I can help make a better white background photo than like this other guy did. Cause he doesn't understand the drink. Like the garnish is all wrong. And right. uh, oh, yeah, I actually remember you saying something like that glass is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Like stuff that we understand naturally, you know, having worked behind a bar, but that most photo agencies or other agencies that you hire wouldn't understand it intuitively. Yeah, they'd have they, to hire a bartender yeah, right. to give that advice. Yeah. So, hired all the time to do it yeah yeah and it's really necessary because like yeah. sometimes you'll have like a beautiful photo of a martini but then there's like cut up lemon wedges next to it and you're like what <laughs> you put a twist in a martini you don't squeeze lemon juice into it so it's like well that's a pretty photo it makes no sense if you know what you're doing yeah. so um 
we kind of had a natural bridge, and that's our bread and butter. We do a lot of cocktail photography too, outside of just making magazines. This is our fun kind of you know passion projects that we do. Um, but we definitely see a future in that. And that said, like there there should be a, a third eighteen oh six to look forward to. Uh, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say what city, but I'm just going to allude to. Uh, a famous Tennessee Williams quote about there only being three cities in the United States. That's uh, New York, New Orleans, and fill in the blank. Everything else is just Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> they love it in New Orleans. We heard it quite a bit. <laughs> they love it in Cleveland, too. I was, I was in Cleveland. They're, they're fine with that. Basically, what that says to the, the, the people of Cleveland is like, there's only four cities. <laughs> there's New York, New Orleans, the one we're leaving out right now, and the rest is Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. So they take it as a point of pride, I think. <clears throat> well, anyway, really great having you guys on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And really excited to see the next magazine when it comes out. Yes. Um, I'll, get my, I'll get myself a copy. I mean, it's really a book, right? It's come a book. On. Yeah. Stop <laughs> making it. By the time they come back on the show, they're going to have like a, a Netflix original series or something. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> the way these guys move. I, I, I think I asked earlier, but I've forgotten. How many of these are you plan to crank out per per? Year? It's actually supposed to be biannual, so the fact that the first two have been out within, honestly, three months of each other is huh. rare, but that was just timing to make sure people got their hands on it when they needed. So uh, uh, the next one will probably be a, a little ways away, but you know, keep your eyes peeled. Definitely go to collectif1806.com to follow the news on that. Um, How about yourselves? Do you have a, a website you want yeah, to plug? Or? Ford Media Lab. Uh, dot com FML. You can find us all over the place. Uh, we're on Instagram. Yeah, follow us on Instagram, <laughs> too, if you want to see our photos and the adventures that we're up to, which may give you some clues into what we're doing as well. Um, I'm Kyle 4D, the number 4 in D. And someone, I'm Rachel someone, 4D. Yeah, someone took the Ford aspect, so we had to get creative with that <laughs> one. <laughs> Kyle 4D. 4D. Rachel 4D. So that's yeah. Rachel Ford and Kyle Ford. But yeah, our website's got a nice little portfolio, too, of some of the work that we've worked on, so... You guys are free to check that out. Yeah, we have a blog with some tips if you need some photography tips. Social media social pointers media as well. Yeah. Excellent. Cool, man. Excellent. You guys got your fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> just, <laughs> just trying to stay busy, man. <laughs> uh, that's, the, that's the bartender in you. The hustle remains. Yeah. The hustle remains. So I just want to end the show, as I always do, talking about a couple of upcomings. Um, next week, January the 5th, right after uh, – sorry, July. July, January. Uh, right after July, right after July fourth, um, we're trying to nail down the the boys from Diamond Reef. They're in Spain at the moment, so I've gotten no response. Um, but as soon as they get back, I think they'll I think they'll come in and do it. And if they don't, we'll wing it, Damon. Hey man, uh, hey, they reached out to me. So yeah, right. Uh, the so they, be, they better bring some penicillins though. Yeah, man. Yeah, oh, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, <laughs> on July fifth, and, and a hot dog. Um, <laughs> uh, and then don't forget, by the way. Uh, kind of related kind of unrelated the july 4th party at basic always happens on july uh, well it happens after that so it's happening on july 9th this year and they those guys throw that thing right mm-hmm. it's it's sam and, and uh mcelroy that throw that thing yeah. am, I, am i wrong about that they're always there they're, they're always there. cooking food <laughs> i think it's their party yeah so it's worth mentioning basic russell, um, russell dillon will be there russell dillon of course that's your roommate this is dave our good friend um, and then uh, the following week, we got uh, Chris Bidmead and Jamie, whose last name always escapes me, from um, <laughs> from Bolton and Watt. They're going to come on and talk to us about fitness in our industry. They they do a, a weekly uh, um, Pilates slash yoga thing. I don't know anything I might about skip that stuff. That week then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the following week, you and I are going to be out of town together. Um, 
that'll be New Orleans time. We'll be at Tales of the Cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Tatashore, our producer, has uh, offered to give us uh, some roving recording devices, yeah. and we're going to kind of wing a show from there. Actually, I mean, if, if it works out time-wise, we could record. We have a seminar, which if you want to attend it, it's called Hot Mic. Um, so you go to the website Tales of the Cocktail and buy tickets for that. Southern and I will be joined by Brian Weber of the Bartender Journey podcast and Kara Newman, who's a friend of the show, author. And, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about... Talking, talk, talking about, about talking. <laughs> talking yeah, about talking. It's a, it's, a, it's a seminar and panel discussion about podcasting and how to get that done. Yeah, uh, mostly on the technical aspects of it, booking, scheduling, all that stuff. So check it out. Um, and if it works out, we could... We could actually record a show. We could record the seminar. Whoa. And then pipe it back into the station. And Whoa. that could be our... Maybe that'll be our episode for that day. That sounds amazing. Because, I mean... It'll, That's very it'll, meta. It'll Listen air. to our podcast yeah. about podcasting. About podcasting. What? About podcasting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Inception. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I've got. Rachel and Kyle, thank you so much no, for being in the studio. We thank look forward guys. to seeing more work come out of you guys. And look forward, of course, to seeing you across the bars. Um, that's all I've got, David. What do you right, got? That's it for me too. Um, thanks again. It's great catching up with you. It's been a very long time, so it's really nice to have you on the show today. Too long. Um, we'll be in yeah. for oysters and martinis soon. So cool. Sounds good, man. <laughs> all right. So that, I guess that's that for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Till next week, I'm David Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. Right, cheers. Cheers, guys. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.